0: another episode of blood and fire radio podcast this is episode number 89 yeah sticking to the schedule staying on time with my every two weeks knock on wood Let's kick it off. This is one that uh, I have been liking a lot lately. I think I even posted on Facebook, uh, not on the podcast page, but just on my own personal page, about how this album has kind of been scratching the itch for me lately uh, when it comes to just wanting some good death metal. The band is called Sentient Horror, and they are out of New Jersey in the USA. They've been around since 2016, so they're still a pretty new band. Uh, Their 2016 debut, Ungodly Forms, was excellent, and uh, they released their second album in November of 2019 called Morbid Realms, came out through Testimony Records, and uh, yeah, Morbid Realms is the one that I have been jamming a lot lately, and it is really good. So yes, this is some very straightforward, very meat and potatoes, (laughs) what you see is what you get kind of death metal and they just do it really well, and I just think the songs are very catchy. It's kind of, um, I mean, they, they don't sound the same, but um, that aspect of it is kind of the same between them and uh, Skeletal Remains. The, the most recent Skeletal Remains is the same way, where it's just, uh, there's other bands that kind of play a similar style, of course. But there's just some something special. There's some it factor about this album that makes it kind of stick in my head uh, better than a lot of other death metal records. So... Here we go off of their second album, Morbid Realms. This is Sentient Horror with Black Wings of Delirium. That was Sentient Horror from New Jersey with Black Wings of Delirium off of their second album, Morbid Realms. Alright, we're going to jump to Indonesia. This is not a country um, that produces a lot of uh, extreme metal bands, uh, at least not to my knowledge. But this band's been around since 2011 and they seem to be very well respected. I admit that I had not really heard much of their stuff until um, just recently. I think they released... Uh, one or two singles off of their upcoming album, so I went ahead and listened to that, and uh, it was really good. Um, I have made note, so I can go back and, and listen to their earlier albums, but I haven't uh, gotten around to doing that yet. But this is really good. The band is called Valandusk, and they have released four albums up to this point, or they're, a- they're about to release their fourth album. Uh, the fourth album is called Heralds of Strife. It's going to be coming out on April 30th through Northern Silence Productions. But um, yeah, they just do a really, really good um, melodic epic black metal, and it's, I mean, it's great. It's really good stuff. The songs are typically a little on the longer side, um, but there's lots of elements like kind of um, mixed in. So you'll, you know, you'll hear some acoustic guitars and things kind of lower in the mix that are kind of backing up some of the, uh, the distorted riffs and things like that. I like little touches like that. But um, yeah, it has a very big, epic feel, and um, I'm going to be checking out this album whenever it comes out here in a couple of weeks, and I need to check out the first three as well. So here we go, off of their new album, Heralds of Strife. This is Dusk* with The Last Soar As The Feathers Fall. was dusk from Indonesia, with The Last Soar as the Feathers Fall. That's really good, and I really like the production on that, because the it still kind of has that black metal feel to it, but everything's really clear. You can still hear each instrument, and the balance between instruments is perfect, I think. The level of the vocals and the amount of delay, or not delay, but like echo that they put on the vocals, I think is just perfect. So... Alright, we're gonna jump to Scotland here. This is a fairly young band. They've uh, been around since 2018. They released their self-titled uh, demo in 2019 and they just put out their first uh, EP, their first proper uh, proper release here. So, The band is called Coffin Mulch and the name is most definitely what drew me in <laughs> to check them out. Um, I had heard some good things about this EP, and I just loved the band name, so I was like I have to check this out and see if it's any good, and I listened on their Bandcamp page, and was impressed. Um, It's just death metal stuff, but I just, I dig their sound, man, what can I say? So yeah, they just put out their first EP called Septic Funeral on February 26th of this year. That's released through uh, At War with False Noise Records. And yeah, it's you know it's pretty short and sweet, but they uh, they're kind of off uh, to a good start when it comes to their career. I like their sound that they have up uh, you know on the demo and this EP. So if you like it, please go support the band and buy it from their Bandcamp. So all right, off the Septic Funeral EP, this is Coffin Mulch with Onward to Death. You might have thought that was marching, but it was actually just me uh, eating some frosted flakes in the microphone. Uh, Just kidding. Um, All right, there we go. That was Coffin Mulch with Onward to Death. They definitely have some kind of, you know, Swedish death metal vibes to their guitar tone, that's for sure. But they uh, they definitely stick to kind of a slower... Meteor chunky style and um i like it it kind of sets them apart that they never quite like pick up the pace you kind of are waiting for it to get fast and then it never does they seem comfortable just kind of staying in the pocket with that kind of slow slow tempo Uh, all right we're going to jump to sweden now for this next one this band one man band has been around since 2012 and has released A million things. I cannot... I'm not even gonna bother counting because, like, literally every month this dude will write, like, a two-song EP and just record it and release it. And, uh, it's nuts. (laughs) It's just nuts. I don't know if that's a good way to go about it or a bad way to go about it. I know some bands are kind of not on board with doing full albums anymore. Like Cryptopsy, they've, you know, they've just been releasing little EPs every few years Um, just so they can keep releasing new music every couple years and not have these long gaps in between full lengths and stuff like that. But uh, this is kind of taking it to an extreme. This dude just releases something seemingly every three weeks. The band is Hermoder, and like I said, it's a one-man band. He plays everything, does the vocals. Uh, He has an almost Burzum-esque tendency to rely on repetition to create a mood. And I love it. I think the majority of his stuff is great. Not all of it, because he's just releasing such a massive amount of songs (laughs) that they can't all be they can't all be winners here. But uh, the good stuff is really good, and even his quote unquote bad stuff is still pretty good. (laughs) So there's just some really special songs and special moments kind of interspersed throughout his discography. But uh, this one has always stood out to me as a really exceptional piece of music that he wrote. And it's really long, and um, I've had this kind of in my back pocket for a while of wanting to put it in an episode. But, um, just couldn't really think of a good one to put it in. I'm not even sure if this episode is a good one (laughs) for me to, you know, put this song in. But what the hell, I'm just kind of in that, uh, that mood. I'm just gonna say fuck it and play it. So, it's a long song, so strap in. If you don't like it, well, you know how to skip ahead, don't you? So... Here we go, I'm going to play something, it's it's really just a one song EP is what he refers to it as, but uh, it's just one long song uh, that was released in May of 2016, independently, he just releases everything digitally, like straight to his band camp and such. Uh, So here we go, from 2016, this is Hermoda with A Place of Eternal Twilight. ermoda with A Place of Eternal Twilight. Uh, I love that. Um, you might be saying, David, you son of a bitch, how dare you put a 20-minute song as the fourth song in a 13-song uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, I know that was a long one, but uh, I've been wanting to play that one for a while, and I just felt like this was as good a time as any, so hopefully you enjoyed that. But yeah, he does not like to vary his tempos with his songs he likes to kind of have this foundation of keeping a consistent tempo and kind of keeping a uh, pretty simple riff going underneath it and then he loves to just build layers on top of that uh, with you know different uh, lead guitars and real kind of little ethereal effects on the guitars and the occasional little keyboards and stuff thrown in there Uh, and just keeps kind of building layers and and subtracting layers as the song goes on to kind of create this mood. And I think it's really effective. I end up enjoying his stuff more often than not. Um, I've even thought about, like, trying to record some material myself, write some material like that, where there's just a lot of repetition, not for Krigsgrove, but, you know, just, just for the hell of it type of thing. But anywho, let's plow forward here. We're going back to the USA out of South Carolina. This band's been around since 2018, and it's pretty savage, it's pretty nasty, kind of thrashy, kind of black metal-ish, kind of hard to put a a definitive label on it, but I like it, Uh, I like it a lot. So this band is called Demiser. Uh, Their debut just came out in March, it's called Through the Gate Eternal, came out through Boris Records, and it's pretty damn good. I can't even remember how I came across it, but I have enjoyed it thoroughly, so... Love this song title. So here we go off of their debut album, Through the Gate Eternal. This is Demiser with Raw Fucking Vomit. Demiser from South Carolina with Raw Fucking Vomit. I think that record is great. Again, that record's called Through the Gate Eternal. Um, I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify. That might be where I first came across it, actually. So uh, if you want to hear the rest of it, it is out there. So I suggest you check it out. All right, we're jumping back to Sweden here. There's a lot of Swedes on this episode. Uh, Especially ones out of Stockholm, so... This band has been around since 88 and they have changed styles uh, drastically over the years. The band is Therion, and you might hear the name Therion and think, oh, sweet Jesus, this is just going to be a bunch of uh, operatic vocals and symphonic uh, crap because they've really, uh, <laughs> really dove headfirst into that sound uh, from, you know, 2000 onwards. Uh, And they're just writing like these, you know, metal operas pretty much these days. But a lot of people do forget that Therion, back in their early days, did kind of sound like the other um, Swedish death metal bands of the time. Uh, To me, their early stuff still just does not, you know, stand up to uh, the early Dismember stuff and Entombed and bands like that. Uh, It just wasn't quite to that same level of quality, but it was still good. It still had that, that, you know, typical Stockholm, Swedish death metal sound. And if you go back and look at all the uh, past members that have been in in Therion, if you look in the 90s, the early 90s, I guarantee you'll do a double take uh, looking through their ex-members and just be like, holy crap, I had no idea that guy was in Therion at, at any point, you know? Uh, There's a a lot of big names, you know, or at least well-known bands, you know, people that played in Dismember and Entombed and Unanimated and all these kind of uh, more well-known, you know, Swedish death metal bands uh, had members that were at some point members of Therion, so it's pretty cool. But anyways, they released three uh, demos and then they finally got around to releasing their debut in uh, February of 91. They have 17 records now up to this point. But really, I'd say the first two or three is, is, you know, that era that was kind of more rooted in death metal before they started exploring other elements and really changing their sound. Uh, so this was the debut. It came out in 91 on Deaf Records. It's called Of Darkness. And I'm gonna play a tune which is kind of one of the more well-known songs off of the debut, but I'm playing a different version of it. So the song is called Asphyxiate With Fear. But whenever they did a re-release of the debut, uh, I can't remember what year the re-release came out, but they had some, like, demo versions of some of the songs kind of tacked on as bonus tracks. And I think the demo version of this song is uh, superior to the one that's on the album. So uh, I just think the production is a little clearer, like the, the, the guitar tone and the distortion on the album is very low and chunky. And you kind of lose some of the definition you can't quite hear the the notes as well so on this demo version the guitars are a little bit thinner but I think that actually helps the song rather than hurt it so I'm gonna play you this demo version so off of their 1991 debut of Darkness this is Therion with Asphyxiate with Fear <laughs> Therion with Asphyxiate with Fear, the demo version, anyways. Uh, great track, really good track. Um, so yeah, if you're not familiar with their more you know death metal background, you should check out the first the first two albums for sure. The third one they started kind of screwing around with their sound a little bit. Um, and I will spout out an unpopular opinion here: a lot of the Therion you know diehards um, really don't like the album Gothic Kabbalah and I don't know why (laughs) it's because they kind of abandoned the straight up like symphonic operatic stuff and they had some they had some real songs on there some real just melodic songs and uh, a lot of the diehards didn't like the fact that it deviated from that like purely symphonic you know operatic style but I love the songs on that record it's a double album So it's long, and there's a lot there, but uh, I think there's some excellent material on that album. And the production, particularly on the drums, is outstanding, so I still go back to that album fairly often. But Uh, Anyways, we're going to stay in Stockholm, Sweden here, and this is another band that has been around since 88. On and off, I guess I should say. That band is Tiamat, and Tiamat used to be called Treblinka uh, back in the way early days. And Treblinka was, you know, a death metal band that was firmly in that, you know, Swedish scene. And they had some fairly successful uh, demos and things like that before changing their name. And the first couple of Tiamat albums uh, kind of stayed in that death metal vein. Uh, they were always a little bit different. They were always a little bit different sounding than the other Stockholm bands. Um, but they really kind of found their own path by the time they released the album Wild Honey which is one of my all-time favorite albums just ever Um, really really great dark borderline gothic but not quite gothic you know what I mean but it was just this really dark melodic but still really heavy album and uh, from there they just branched out and expanded their sound more and more Um, it just kind of became less heavy a little more electronic based at times and then they've they've always been tinkering with their sound they never really released the same album twice but for the most part I have not liked most of their discography you know after the year 2000 pretty much Um, so when this album came out I basically didn't pay any attention to it whatsoever so I've revisited this record, and I've grown to really appreciate it. Um, so this is a pretty recent development for me. I've only recently gotten into this record, so I want to play something off of it. But, the record I'm talking about is called The Scarred People. It's their last album up to this point. Uh, came out in October of 2012. Uh, it's their tenth album overall. came out through Napalm Records. But, uh, after that, I believe the singer, whose name is escaping me right now, um... I mean I can see his face he's a very recognizable fellow but uh, yeah he was having some uh, some health issues and and I think he was pretty uh, you know forthcoming about what the deal was there it's just kind of battling uh, addiction and things like that and just kind of being in a dark place uh, mentally and uh, but he I think it was maybe two years ago posted something just kind of saying that he's he's feeling good now and he's ready to come roaring back you know with Tiamat and going to start working on new material and things like that. I haven't seen anything really since then, uh, but I can only assume that they're kind of uh, shaking the rust off and kind of reviving the band a little bit. But um, but yeah, so this remains the newest record uh, up to this point. So, But it's quite good. I've really grown to appreciate it. So here we go off of 2012's The Scarred People. This is Tiamat with Thunder and Lightning. Was Tiamat with Thunder and Lightning. Uh, yeah, that's a really good record, and it's a shame that I kind of slept on that one for as long as I did. Um, I kind of lumped them in with Moonspell. Overall, I still like Moonspell's total discography better than Tiamat, but I do respect the fact that they, they both kind of are ever-changing, ever-evolving, never make the same album twice, and they've all kind of maintained that, that dark dark rock you know vibe to them uh, throughout but um we're gonna jump to the usa here this band is a legendary act originally based out of hawaii but then moving to california they existed from 87 to 92 before disbanding and then they reformed in 2010 kind of just one original member and they're still around now that band is vaughn and uh Most people, you know, if you're like me, uh, around my age, if you're older, you might remember them from when they were actually, you know, active in the late 80s, early 90s. But if you're like me, you didn't really learn about them until you heard um, Dark Funeral's cover of Satanic Blood. And I remember hearing that, thinking, wow, that's terrible. Uh Because it's like one riff for the entire song, and the song's about a minute long, and that's it. I mean, that's really all I can say. Is like it's one primitive riff for the whole damn song, and I was like, wow, okay, that wasn't very good. But maybe the rest of Vaughn's stuff is pretty good, and I remember going back and, and checking some out and thinking... I just, I don't understand, I don't know what the big deal is here, but Vaughn actually influenced a lot of the Scandinavian black metal bands of that second wave, um, which is pretty, pretty amazing, because a lot of them of course liked Venom and, and Bathory, but they were kind of closer, you know what I mean, closer to the Scandinavian scene, but Vaughn being all the way in the western United States and playing such a, such an unpopular style of music at the time, it's amazing that uh, you know these kids in Norway were even able to get their hands on on that music, uh, much less be influenced by it. So it's pretty pretty cool that this little American band you know gets uh, referenced quite often with uh, by you know some other Scandinavian black metal bands when it comes to influences. But yeah, uh, needless to say, I was not that into their early stuff, but I never checked out their later stuff. Uh, and I finally did about three weeks ago. And I made a note that I wanted to play something here because it's actually quite good. Um, as I said, they were around 87 and 92 and then reformed in 2010. And it's just one like original guy. It's the, the guy with the uh, Venian, the stage name. But yeah, he's put out two more albums. Basically, he, he put out a debut full-length, which was just kind of re-recordings of the early demo stuff. But most people poo-pooed that idea because they say the demos sounded better because they sounded shittier. They <laughs> it was more primitive and raw, so they didn't like the re-recorded versions of it. So most people kind of disregard the debut because that came out in 2010, I want to say. Um, this one... I'm gonna play his second album and he's done two albums I can't remember the subtitle for the third one but they're both called Dark Gods Um, the second album is called Dark Gods Seven Billion Slaves and the third album is called Dark Gods and it has a different subtitle and I should have written it down I can't remember what it is but those albums while it's still primitive and very simplistic it's just done really well like it's it's not um, it doesn't feel very amateur to me. Like I listen to the early Vaughn stuff and it just sounds like it's some kids that aren't great at playing their instruments that are coming up with this stuff and it's kind of sloppy and raw. This is more refined but it's still very simplistic but it's just done really well and it's, uh, it's all about mood and all about atmosphere and it creates this super dark, dense atmosphere and I think it's actually really good. I probably couldn't listen to this every day But uh, I was very impressed with these last two uh, Vaughn albums, um, so I'm glad I decided to kind of look into their discography a bit further. But anyways, off of the 2013 album Dark Gods, Seven Billion Slaves, this is Vaughn with Hands of Black Death. was Vaughn with Hands of Black Death. Um, yeah, I mean, you can say what you will. Some people are kind of annoyed that it's just this one guy and a bunch of hired guns, I guess, uh, rounding out the, the lineup these days. But whether you view this as the the true Vaughn or not, um, I really like what they've been doing. <laughs> I thought that was re- really good. Uh, we're all right, We're jumping back to Stockholm, Sweden again. Can you believe it? Alright, this band's been around since 99. And they play um, their own brand of kind of uh, traditional heavy metal, kind of traditional doom as well. So they, they're not afraid to pick up the pace. Uh, but then again, neither was, you know, Candlemas and bands like that. They have their share of, you know, kind of more mid-tempo songs. But the band is Grand Magus. And I don't know why, but for years I thought Grand Magus was uh, British. <laughs> so I never really heard any interviews uh, to hear their accents and stuff like that. So I actually had no idea. Um, really, until, uh, maybe, I don't even know when it was, a month or two ago, two months ago, I was listening to, uh, Alan Averill from Primordial, his, uh, his podcast called Agitators Anonymous, and he had, um, JB, the singer from Grand Magus, um, on as a guest, just kind of via Zoom or whatever, And uh, so, yeah, I could hear his accent and knew he wasn't British, so I looked it up and and they're actually Swedish. Um, But yeah, he sounds like a really down-to-earth, just normal dude. Um, I had always heard of Grand Magus and heard very little of their stuff. Never disliked it, but it never, like, totally captivated me either to go check out their whole discography. But after listening to that interview with Alan, uh, I did kind of dive into the discography a little more and... um, it's great. I mean, the production's always real pristine, like, well, pretty much pristine and just solid and heavy, and he's got a great voice, and uh, yeah, whenever you're in the mood for some kind of traditional doom, it definitely uh, hits the spot. So I'm going to play something off of an album that's kind of towards the middle of their discography. Again, they've been around since 99. Uh, they've got nine albums total up to this point. I'm going to play something off of an album called The Hunt, which came out in May of 2012. It's their sixth album through nuclear blast and uh, this one stood out to me as um, just being one of the catchier songs for me at least but uh, here we go off of the hunt this is grand magus with sword of the ocean was grand magus with sword of the ocean great chorus great chorus all right we're gonna play a band that i know for damn sure is british (laughs) out of birmingham The band is bolt thrower they've been around since 86 and they are just one of those bands that you just don't meet people that like metal that like extreme metal that say, yeah, I'm, I'm not into Bolt Thrower. I don't think they're any good. Like, those people just don't exist. You know, there's different uh, levels of fandom when it comes to Bolt Thrower. Some people are way into it, but I don't know anybody out there that uh, doesn't, at the very least, uh, respect them because they've always been a very blue-collar, working-class, hard-working death metal band that always just... Uh, got out there and toured and played shows and played little clubs and just worked their way up and uh, honed their sound and really just stuck with it, tried and true. Very ACDC style, Um, I mean you know what you're getting with a Bolt Thrower record and it's always just badass. So I'm going to play something off of their fourth album called The Fourth Crusade, it came out in October of 92. Um, They have eight albums total and I wish there were more (laughs) I wish there were more but yeah sad times but yeah this came out through earache records um, and I think this song was also on an EP of the same name Um, so you might know what song I'm about to play but I've played some of their very early stuff and I've played something off of their last album so I decided I'm gonna play something off from kinda the middle of the discography this time So here we go, this is a personal favorite tune of mine. Off of the Fourth Crusade, this is Bolt Thrower with Spearhead.
1: Your vision of the former self Controlled by your destruction
0: Bolt Thrower from Birmingham with Spearhead and they're just so good they were so good I really miss that band there there really is no other death metal band that sounds quite like Bolt Thrower to me um, that's probably one of the reasons why I like Vomitory so much is because uh, I know Tobias is very influenced by Bolt Thrower and it kind of shows in some of his riffs that he writes as well so I kind of get that Bolt Thrower vibe from some of his stuff uh, you know in the Vomitory discography But anywho, let's jump back to the USA here out of California. Pretty new band. They've been around since 2019. The band is called Vrenth. That's V-R-E-N-T-H. They released a demo in 2019, and um, they just released their debut in December of 2020. The album is called Baptism Death, and that was released through Rotted Life Records. And really what caught me was the cover art. I thought the cover art was awesome because it's black and white has some really cool images on it but then the logo is just this bright red this blood red that kind of stands out from the black and white and uh, that's kind of what drew me in to check it out and it's really good kind of uh, black death uh, type stuff i'm trying to think of a good comparison for it but um i mean I, if if i had taken you know 30 seconds before hitting record i could probably think of one to mention but now that i'm sitting here recording i can't think of one but uh but yes no it's very good very dark kind of nasty production um black and death and it's kind of reminiscent of the kind of bands that you hear kind of from that new zealand scene Uh, It has that vibe to it. If you've listened to older episodes of the podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about because I've talked about that New Zealand scene uh, plenty of times. But anyways, off of their debut, Baptism Death, this is Vrenth with Flames of the Seven Jaws, Devouring Funeral Pyre. That was Vrenth from California with Flames of the Seven Jaws devouring Funeral Pyre off of their debut album, Baptism Death. Alright, we're going to jump back to Sweden here. I told you there was a lot of Swedes on this episode. Uh, this band existed from '91 to 08 and then after a few years uh, off, they reformed in 2011 and still exist today. I'm not sure how many... Original guys are in it uh, with the current lineup. I didn't actually bother checking that out, but uh, but they are still active today. The band is Gehenna, and it is not the Gehenna that you're thinking, because, uh, of course, there's a Norwegian black metal band called Gehenna that had been around in the early to mid-90s and then kind of changed their sound to death metal a bit through the early 2000s and then kind of reverted back to black metal, and they're still going today. Um... But this is a different Gehenna. This Gehenna has an H at the end. But uh, this is the Swedish one. And they are a very just <laughs> raw, um, unpolished, <laughs> kind of punkish, black and thrash. It's, it's hard for me to even call it black and thrash because there is so much of a punk um, influence in there. But uh, the only reason I really know about this band is because of uh, interviews with uh, you know the guys in Oro Noir talking about their early days in the 90s and uh, different bands that they would do shows with and stuff like that. And they mentioned, you know, talking about their contemporaries at the time um, because a lot of people kind of credit Aura Noir with creating black and thrash, like that specific subgenre. And uh, they're always quick to to say, hey, you know, we were playing shows with Gehenna as well and they were kind of doing that too. And so they always kind of throw some credit uh, their direction, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, it prompted me to check out this version of Gehenna, because I do like the Norwegian black metal band, so I wanted to check out this Swedish one. And it's, you know, it's not my cup of tea. It's a little more punkish than I prefer. I'm not a fan of punk music. Uh, I do, of course, acknowledge its importance and its role in shaping metal music, but um, but yeah, punk has never really been my thing So there is kind of that punk element here, but uh, it's still fun. This is just a fun album. I'm going to play something off of their debut, Uh, came out in 95, it's called Hard Rocker. They only have four albums, again they've been around since 91, but they released an album in 95, 96, and 97, and then nothing until they disbanded, and then since they reformed, they have uh, released one album in 2016 up to this point. Uh, But yeah, the debut came out in 95 called Hard Rocker through Primitive Art Records. This one is short and sweet and was just uh, a fun, fast song. So here we go. This is Gehenna with I Am The Wolf.
1: I am the wolf. I am the bee! The moon's my only life Death, war, the
2: mountains, food Hungry, the locals are food I am the
1: wolf. I am the beast I am the flesh All that is seen Smash Please, I am the fucking place of the deceased color!
0: Super fun if I was at a live show for that band Um, that was Gehenna from Sweden with I Am The Wolf off of their debut album Hard Rocker alright it is that time I need to uh, announce the final song of the episode but first I want to of course thank everybody for listening thanks for telling other people about the podcast if you want to tell someone uh, where they can listen they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com Or on the free Podbean app, or the entire catalog of episodes is also on Spotify, so you can find it and follow it there. Um, If you have any sort of feedback, or requests, or recommendations, or anything like that, uh, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And of course, please find and like the Facebook page, because any sort of updates, or poll questions, or... Anything that I need to get out to you, the listener, is going to be put out through the Facebook page. Um, So yeah, please find it and follow it. Uh, All right, I am going to finish this off, not with a super long one, because I already put a super long one in this episode midway through, you might remember. So I'm not going to do that to you again at the end of the episode and drop like a 16 minute, you know, epic on you. So this one's more reasonable, this is like a six and a half minute tune, but um, this is a band I've played a couple of times uh, in past episodes, but it's a band that's always hard to put your finger on, because from from album to album, they they might do something drastically different. Kind of like, you know, Aus Nord is kind of the same way, where I like most of their stuff, but they might just throw a complete curveball at you with a with a new EP that's just completely weird compared to the rest of their discography. But the band is Abigor from Austria. They've been around since 93, and they have uh, really gone all over the place with their sound. Like, they've always had a very just off-the-wall, kind of avant-garde uh, guitar style. A lot of the, the chord choices and things like that are, are a bit strange. But uh, sometimes they'll throw something at you that's a little more straightforward, and then they'll follow it up with an album that is just weird as hell. And... Um, for the most part, I like their stuff, but there's a few, th- you know, a few things that are so off the wall that I can't, f- I really follow what the hell's going on. But um, for the most part, this new album of theirs, or newest album of theirs, uh, falls in that category <laughs> where it's, it's a little out there for me. But there's some good stuff on it. Uh, it's called Totschlager, a Saint Slayer's songbook, and it came out in December of last year. Through World Terror Committee it's their 12th album overall and it's pretty good but yeah like I said it it's it misses the mark with me uh, somewhat but that's mostly because of my inability to kind of wrap my head around what I'm hearing (laughs) so I like some of the more straightforward stuff of theirs but this is still quite good and uh, it's a very well respected band and with it being such a recent uh, release I wanted to show it some love so I will be back in two weeks with another episode. I should be right on schedule. I've already got my uh, my bands picked out for who I want to play. Uh, I haven't picked out the songs yet, but I'll get to work on that. So until then, here we go. This is the final tune off of Tot Schlager, a Slayer's songbook. This is Abigor with Gamora Rising, Nightside Rebellion. Cheers, everyone.